A message from our sponsor, Infinity Satellite and Software Solutions, LLC. Barge tracking is becoming more and more important to companies, especially in low river stages and bad weather. Track and manage all of your valuable assets in one source with our comprehensive and easy-to-use web-based mapping and management application. We offer a complete end-to-end -end solution of products, software, services, and support. We offer solar GPS trackers that are intrinsically safe with Class 1, Div 1, and Zone 0 certifications. Our portfolio of GPS satellite products are designed to fit your every need. For vessels, we can automate their ICWW fuel waterways tax by state. The system automatically calculates the taxable river miles traveled, and with just a click of a button, a customer can run an accurate report and pay their taxes. Please check us out on LinkedIn, Facebook, or at our website, www.infinityssss.com. Welcome back to Between the Levees. I'm joined today by Captain Jeremiah Beauregard. I knew him during my time dispatching canals. He was uh, with the Loach and now is with Intratug. Uh, there's a lot more to him. Uh, he and I were pretty close at the time as far as a dispatcher and a, and a towboat captain could be, I suppose. But all that to say, Birdman, welcome to the show. How you doing uh, this morning, Captain Tim, this afternoon, correction? Doing, uh, doing pretty well, man. I'm glad we can get, uh, get this lined up finally. Uh, oh, yeah. Birdman also made an appearance briefly on my first attempt at a live stream uh, with, uh, with captain Kyle Finning, he and, uh, and little bird popped on for a little while, but anyway, let's get to, let's get into this, man. Tell me, sir, where were you born? I was born in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Um, just, you know, more or less grew up in, uh, one hell of a, I'm going to just say it, one hell of a place, but you know, it built a lot of character, you know, it, it taught me a lot, especially at a young age. Well, what was life growing up in Baton Rouge? Oh man, it was, uh, it was interesting because there, even back then, I mean, even till, even still to this day, there ain't very many good places of Baton Rouge. I mean, it's, you know, as well as I do, I'm sure you're from around that area. That It's, uh, it's just about like a war zone nowadays with the crime, the way it is. Well, what was it back in the day? Well, yeah. I grew up in a uh, part of a, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but Gardier Lane. I grew up down there on Starboard and Skysail down there. And, you know, it was, a, I had a lot of friends and everything. It taught me a lot of, it, it taught me a lot of uh, being humble, you know, you know, brings me back to, you know, it's one of those things I tell, I tell the guys all the time, if I can do it, I know you can do it. I, I know for a fact that I brought myself, you know, from where I was, you know, cause I was even when I first started on the boat, I was living in Gardier. If I can do it, I know you can do it. There, there's no excuse, you know? And, you know, it's, it's a, it, you know, it was a rough upcoming, but the thing is I, I really had a, I had a good set of parents, you know, my, my dad, my stepmom, you know, they, they done a lot for me. You know, I graduated school. Thank God. I was, I was like skinning a cat there almost, you know, and I, I say that my dad's in the background, just, I know he wants to say something, but 
I did, you know, and it was fun. I, I enjoyed it, but it was uh, it was definitely rough, you know. It was just one of those things you really had to watch yourself out there most of the time. Well, where did your parents do for a living? Well, my dad, he uh, he was actually a captain for a little part of my life. Worked for a company, um, an environmental service. I'm not gonna really say the name. But he worked for an environmental service, and he uh, was the vice president of the company for a good while. You know, <clears throat> he uh, he hung it up for a little while, took a couple years off of work, and did a lot of things around. And then he uh, now he's a powerhouse operator. Now he's he's going up even further, you know, and in, into the plants and everything. But his boat captain was like he he had a license to drive like crew boats you know like big osvs and stuff like that it wasn't you know six packs and tow boats and you know he he did move quite a few there was a couple of big boats i never got to i stepped foot on them but never got to depart with him you know but I, I did get the luxury of seeing a couple of them and going on them you know they were some really big boats you know and uh it's crazy, man, because he, he worked at, when I was real young, he worked right in Plaquemine, and we lived in Baton Rouge, and my mom would literally go pick him up and drop him off at work every day. I passed over Port Allen Locks for a good part of my younger childhood. Never knew what it was until I first stepped foot on a towboat, and we, he's like, we're going into Port Allen Locks. I'm like, you know, what the hell is Port Allen Locks? And you know, they had to pull the old, go get the key from the captain for the lock thing on me, of course, you know. That's, everybody's got to eat that every once in a while. And uh, I see it, and I'm like, oh, my God, you know, I passed this thing, it's, you know, right here, you know, right here. And it was pretty neat, you know. It, it Looking back at it, you know, I don't know how I never met anybody in this industry i got a couple of uncles that's distant that have boats literally named after them that were you know big time captains but i think i've only met one or two of them and you mentioned a stepmom what did she do she was a uh she worked as a uh chef at the school you know she worked at um highland elementary retired from it i mean she she did it for a long time you know and i can't i can't speak enough for that woman you know I, I love her to death. She is, she's been, a, I know we've had some rough years and I know you're going to see this video, mom, but I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. You know, you, you've done a lot for me over the years. I, I got to thank you for everything because, uh, they put me through some hard times, you know, my real mom, they, my stepdad, my real mom, same story. You know, they, they drove trucks for a living. They, you know, it's complete polar opposite of what I do It's and they did they did all right by me too you know they were really good uh i got blessed to have two really decent sets of parents you know it wasn't you know a, a bum or, or anything like that you know did you tell me your grandfather was on the river too yes so my grandpa <clears throat> and uh i had an uncle ollie that I, i'm finally getting to meet this man <clears throat> never met him before but him and my grandpa and they were all adopted they lived in a foster home there was like three brothers and the foster dad 
all worked on a boat together whenever they were young and uh that's what they did they were they were running salt as a, as ironic as that is it's as funny as hell it was like a full circle you know he uh he was the one that got me the job as a matter of fact you know he tells me i had down on my luck man I got out of school really didn't have no guidance on where the hell i was going just more or less chasing my own tail and being an idiot and uh i was a rail car mechanic before i did this i did it for about six months sandblasting and working on rail cars and ended up having just about borderline heat stroke you know pretty decent one was actually no exaggeration was literally sleeping on a park bench two days before i stepped on a boat me being prideful you know not wanting to take help from nobody and and uh i went by my grandpa's house and he says man he said why don't you why don't you go get on a boat you know hey, what the hell you mean you go get on a boat you know he's like man i i know a guy down the road and he brought me down there and he introduces me to uh old tommy Payne. i don't know if you ever heard that name yeah that's, that's a hell of a man there and uh he says uh Tommy Payne told me, he said, well, be at the office first thing in the morning. I show up there first thing in the morning, go get a drug test and all that. And I get back to the office, turn on my paperwork. And he's like, all right, you got your bags packed? You ready to go? Like, uh, no. <laughs> I mean, put me on a boat the same day, you know, and I ended up on a boat all the way out in Chocolate Bayou going to Victoria, Texas. And uh, I come home that first trip and it was like, 31 32 days my first trip and my grandpa passed away like not long after i got in so i, I hung on to this job you know it and i was close to him but you know we, we come from very poor lineage you know this it's slowly getting better you know family wise you know everybody's everybody talks about generational wealth well hell that must have skipped my family i don't know where the hell it went it didn't come here but it wasn't much that the old man left me, you know, my great, my grandpa. And I seen this as, you know, I say everybody's put on earth for reasons, you know, and, and God takes you when those reasons are done, you know, you, you teach somebody a lesson, whatever it may be. And I, I, to this day, I still believe that he gave me the guidance that I needed to set myself, you know, on a correct path because I worked for Deloach Marines since I was 18. And, uh, you know, it gave me a, a chance to get my brother out. You know, he, you know, he was going down a, a hell of a path itself. You know, he wasn't, he was pretty much on the same track as me. You know, I'm not going to bang on him. You know, he's a damn good kid. And now he's in the wheelhouse. You know, he's, he's almost done with his license and couldn't ask for a better brother. You know, it's. It's a hell of a sight when me, him, and my dad get together because there's something about to be broke or somebody's going to jail kind of thing. That's an interesting one. Before we get too far into your, your career on the water, uh, was school, was there any draw to school for you or was it just a struggle to get through it? So, man, honestly, if you see my setup, like I, I literally have like two or three of these things. I was big, big in the computers when I was in the school, you know. And, uh, man, as far as reading, stuff like that, couldn't deal with I, I To this day, 
can't stand reading. Uh, I could sit there and listen to an audio book and cruise the canal all night long, you know, or listen to the podcast. I do that too. I was succeeding in everything computer wise, mathematically. I was taking college classes for mathematics, you know. There, there ain't many things that I mechanically haven't been able to put my hands on and quite figure out, you know. I, I know me and you have texted back and forth. You, you know some of my hobbies, you know. And I, I do. I build a lot of stuff. And I, I wasn't a very, like a book person, you know. I kind, and I, I got the, I got the opportunity to actually go to college. You know, I turned it down and like an idiot. I was offered a full scholarship for Johnson and Wales by a company because I, I was literally developing games when I was in high school. I was I was even a game tester for EA games when I was in high school. You know, I come back to, you know, it's just not my cup of tea. This ain't something I want to do for the rest of my life thing. And, you know, you, you, you look for that path, you know, and I, I, I speak to people about that all the time, you know, like you, you gotta find the thing that you enjoy really doing. You know, I love playing games, but it's not something that I could do all day long. I, I, it would drive you, you know, it drive you insane. Some people can nowadays, man. As sad as it is, you know, you know as well as I do. But and it's, it just kind of beat me out of it, you know, and. I started to go to Votech and man, screw that too. You know, I don't want to go because they want you to do reading and math and all that. And then, man, you know, take that somewhere else. Well, you said, okay, so you finish high school and you go in, you become a, uh, a rail car mechanic and you end up sleeping on a bench prior to getting into the industry. You want to share a little, any, a little bit more detail about that period of your life? Yeah. So, you know, everything was, you know, I graduate high school, I move out, and uh, working out of Exxon and Baton Rouge, you know, sandblasting cars and uh, changing knuckles on rail cars, changing brakes, you know, all kinds of stuff. Just If it's on a rail car, I probably unbolted and bolted a new one on. And uh, it, it started, you know, the company that I was working for started kind of going to shit. You know, I could tell that, you know, things were really going downhill. And, well, I ended up getting, I, I don't know, it was, out, it was probably like 5.30 in the morning. Me and another guy, we sandblasted. I think we had like nine or 12 rail cars that I can't even remember. That's just about how bad the day was. And it's like, they ain't even had a lunch break. It's like four o'clock. And it's so damn hot, man. And I start seeing shit and it's like, huh? Guy comes over and he said, you know, you get off whenever y'all finish this rail car, you know, just finish this one up. And they said I drove home. I sure don't remember the conversation of getting back home and shit, but that was my last day. They fired me. They said I worked unsafe and it's not even, you know, <laughs> not even a chance, you know. Yeah, you try to tell them, you know, they got to go to the hospital. Well, they ain't want to hear that shit. So I think I ended up being without a job for the better part of about two, three weeks. And it's like, man, I got to do something. You know, I don't like living off of people. I'm not that big on doing that kind of stuff. And so I left, you know, I, I started looking for jobs in Baton Rouge. Ain't really had any luck. Sold my car and uh, just 
one thing after another, you know, about two months after that, maybe a month and a half, you know, I'm pretty much just piddle the post, you know, I just ain't got really anywhere to go, you know, sleep on a friend's couch here and there. And uh, I was I went to my grandma and them's house, you know, hitchhiked over there, just to go take a bath and everything, try to stay as clean as you can, you know. Maybe had like three bucks in my pocket at the most. And that's how the conversation ended up starting, you know. A lot of family members there. I don't I don't think, you know, my family, because I know they had done something about it, you know, but a lot of them really didn't have no idea where I was. They didn't, you know. I'm pretty sure looking back on it, you know, if I'd have probably told anybody, they would have, they'd have been there in a heartbeat. It, it wasn't a, a lack of family trying, you know, it wasn't that I, you know, made anybody mad or anything. You know, they, it just, it, it didn't feel right laid up on somebody's couch trying to find a job, you know, and they're going to work every day, you know, and you're sitting here looking like an idiot trying to find a job. I just didn't like it, man. It, it didn't make me feel, I guess it, it kind of took me away from my manhood, what little I had at that time. So you end up, you said, in Tommy Payne's office. He was with the Loach? Yes. Tommy Payne and Frank Yoho. And Tommy brought me into Frank Yoho's office, and he says, this is Jeremiah. He says, uh, okay, and he says, uh, I ain't going to tell you what I need to tell you. Just make sure he ends up on a boat. Do you understand me? And then he walked off. <laughs> he was gone, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, uh, okay. You know, thinking, well, hell, it's going to be a couple of days for I end up on a boat or something. No, it was that day. Now <laughs> let's go, you know, ended up riding with a few guys. And I was literally right on the brink of throwing the career away, you know, and just a lot of drama you know i'm sure you hear some of the stories that happens on these boats trey urban i think that was his name uh yeah trey urban you know he spoke of some of that and it was still like that when i came out here you know it wasn't as bad as he spoke on it but it was still going on like that out here you know and uh man i was about to throw a towel in Never got fired off of any boats. I mean, never literally got fired off of any boats. Just go to work, do what I had to do, and, you know, try to find a job somewhere. And then I landed on a Harry Brendel. And uh, I worked uh, under Captain Joe, you know. He was, a, he was a lot different than any other captain I had worked for up to that point, you know. And, you know, he still demanded a lot from me. It, it wasn't a lack of, you know, work. Like he, he wasn't, he wouldn't let me be lazy at all. He'll, I mean, he kicked my ass three days to Sunday. You know, it didn't matter what it took. You was going to work. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a lot less drama, a lot less problems. We didn't, you know, didn't have all the issues and I ended up staying over there and I worked there for, I don't know, like eight years or so on that boat. Loved every minute of it, you know. I had a exceptional crew, you know. Always ended up going through deckhands like crazy, but it was always the head captain Joe, the relief captain Eddie Coburn, which I'm sure you may have talked to him once or twice working around the river. He was a character. Passed away. God rest his soul. Good old man. Couldn't ask for a better friend than me. You know, we were always the three that stayed on the Harry and 
it just it it became a part of life at that point you know everything was acceptable you know everything stayed pretty pretty steady you know because you know people that work on the water don't like change sure you heard that a million times and joe and eddie kind of took me under their wing they taught me a lot i might have to say you know from a a mentor standpoint and uh even somewhat as a father figure you know they because i I spent a lot of time with joe on the boat you know you gotta think whenever you spend two to three hundred days a year with a man (laughs) you know that man better than his wife does you know and couldn't ask for a better friend you know so whenever i did get you know the chance to go to school ended up getting hurt pretty bad and it took me out for the better part of a year, maybe a little bit longer than that. And, you know, I just begged them to come back. You know, I don't, I don't care what it is. You know, I just want a job doing something, you know, just staying at home is driving me insane, you know, back to the same thing, you know, just, I hate being, you know, I feel like I'm being a leech at this point, you know? And, uh, you know, he told me, he said, well, you know, we're, we're going to send you to school. We're, we're literally waiting on you to, finished with your therapy and stuff and it's like it, it ain't getting no better you know i'm not i'm not even going i'm i'm tired of even draining your pocket for shit that's not working you know because doctors do that kind of shit there's some crooked doctors out there and there was a couple of them that i dealt with so i went to school and and uh trained enjoyed it you know went all over from brownsville all up all across mobile all over the place you know up north a little bit and up to uh, tom bigby pretty neat you know as my steersman the one place i didn't run was a salt mine <laughs> which is funny as hell i ended up getting put on harry brindell as the uh pilot and recently i just became the relief captain of it and uh, that's all I do now is a salt mine run, you know, six empties, six lows, just nonstop back and forth. And it makes a trip go by, but boy, it sure is, uh, it's definitely fun. Uh, you mentioned Port Allen lock. Uh, tell me about that first time going through the lock after you went and found the key and all that stuff. And then fill me in, uh, maybe on Sorrel <laughs> and Morgan city, the, the places you see over and over and over again on that salt run. So the salt mine run, we run Algiers route too. You know, there's times that we do have to go down the Homer route and, you know, through Algiers and all that. But, um, with a six pack of empties, man, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. It takes a very, I don't want to say a don't give a shit attitude, but it takes a bad some bitch to stare a bridge down with a six pack of empty sliding, you know, there, there. Uh, to this day, I don't know. Uh, I, we make this joke on the boats all the time. I don't know who built these bridges in Louisiana, but their old lady must have cheated on them with a tow boater because every one of these some bitches end up being sideways, crooked. You know that there is no straight up bridge. Every there's a bend, you know, within a half a mile of every damn bridge there is. You know, uh. Morley Railroad Bridge ain't that bad, you know. That's that's a pretty decent one. Grove State Swing Bridge is me. Bayou Soul Swing Bridge. I've watched Captain Joe 
drive a boat for a good long time and i've only watched joe ever get himself in a situation one time where he needed another boat to come and get him and it was at the bayou soil swing bridge with a six back empties he he literally no damage you know none at all but when i tell you we parked on this dude's house i was looking straight off the edge of the barge and talking to him off of his front porch you know it was right there on the side of us no damage nothing done you know no damage to the barges or anything but that bridge i I don't even know how that thing still exists you know i I have a couple buddies that work at the locks and you know they've made the comment to me a a few times you'd be amazed how many people touch up and tap on that bridge you know that that's why it's always broke you know when somebody touches it just a hair you know just a hair and it breaks the cable on it that's why it's always broken you know it, it it brings you know trey urban brought it up you know it brings up the question about these bridges you know why 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 are we why are we still dealing with shit like this why why is it why is it such a problem if it makes sense you know if you ever get a chance get on google map and just look at you know going southbound look at the canal going down to that bridge i mean it you know, you do it and you get used to it. But if you ever meet a captain that tells you that it ain't concerned him one bit about hitting that some bitch, that's either a bad some bitch or he really just has no idea what he's looking at. You know, and there, there's a few of them out there. Well, fill me in on, uh, I guess, your first experience coming through Port Allen Lock and then as a deckhand through Sorrel, I'm sure that's no fun. No, uh, Bayou soil, it was hell whenever I first started, you know, you, being a new guy, you just caught the shit in the stick from everything, you know, you know, I, I, I remember getting woke up to make the captain a sandwich one time on call watch, uh, you know, it was asses, but going through the locks like Bayou soil and Port Allen, it was always an experience, you know, I always, always like doing stuff like that. And it wasn't easy, but it was you know life ain't easy you know everybody wants to live though so looking back at it now you know and i I remember towards my older years you know my upper years as a deckhand you know i decked for a little over about 10 years we uh hell we used to try we used to time each other to see how long it would take us to get through that you know we we would literally slap the toe back together and have it all tightened up and ready to go and you know try to hurry up as fast as we could and we did the same thing building six packs you know it was it was more of a game than anything to us at that point you know we always had a you know a decent crew it was always fun but coming out there at the beginning and it was you always end up getting stuck with you know some asshole that had an attitude or you know just some this one here is mad because his old lady's cheating on him so you got to find somebody to take it out on so you're gonna take it out on the guy that's below him or, you know and then you got the older guys that come up under you know they they're in their 40s still decking and you're gonna tighten every wire they got on there i don't you think it's tight and he go back and get you know one more click on it where you're gonna tighten everything up again you know that's that's the way i come up and i enjoyed it you know i enjoyed going through the locks and everything and looking back at it you know it's still the same way 
I, I still don't understand. And I've heard some rumors about the locks. They, but I, I don't understand why they've rebuilt that lock so many times and they've never extended it. It's, it's still 600 foot, you know, 670 foot, 80 foot long. Just enough for you to fit a string of, of you know, empties into or a string of loads, you know, just enough to get you in trouble. And then it's, ass backwards you know the long wall on the north end ought to be on the east side but it's on the west side and yeah you you face you know you face with those trials and tribulations but hell if tow boating was easy you know everybody'd be doing it i've been told that a couple times you know ain't no point in complaining you just build a bridge and get over it well hell i'm tired of seeing them bridges anyway so the homer route that's a whole nother animal you know, I I know you back whenever you were dispatching and I would go through that, man. That that place, I that place is about the equivalence of an obstacle field if I've ever seen one. You know, there there's no there's no margin for error in there. Especially in Homer itself. Homer itself is <laughs> you know, they they made the comment one time that, that you know, they were going past this bill not to let six-packs go through there. You know, I remember the office calling us up about that. You know, and they said, well, if somebody tries to stop you in the middle of the night, don't stop. Hey, what the hell is that supposed to mean? Well, they don't want six-packs going through that no more. Well, hell, I don't want them going through that either, but, you know, it's my job, you know. <laughs> I, I do what I got to do. But it's... It'll make a man out of you, and it'll make you believe in God. If you don't believe in God, I guarantee you, whenever you line up coming through the home of twins with six empties, you'll believe in God whenever you get through them because I, I sent you a picture of it. you seen what it looks like there is. You can't see nothing. There's nothing to see. You know, I, I don't understand how, and, and, it, and nobody addresses it. It's just, you know, you, it's kind of like, it's kind of like gashing your hand and having a cut, you know, and you're like, you get so used to it and you don't even think about it. It heals up. Now it's a scar. You don't even think about it, you know, and that's all it is. It's been there so long. Why change it now? You know, oh, somebody hit it. Oh, well, that ain't nothing new, you know, and then they revisit the idea about, you know, widening it out and they always go back to the same thing. You know, Bayou Blue Pontoon Bridge, that thing has been hit. I can't tell you how many times. I've personally seen people hit it, you know, not on my boat, but, you know, watching other boats, it's, it's interesting. Well, I did find as a dispatcher that I got really good at calling y'all in the wheelhouse, right when you're going through Homa and, uh, it was a lot of, Hey, let me call you back. <laughs> but, um, what's so difficult getting through there? It's just, so, you know, Whenever you move in a six pack of empties, you know, any, you know, you got to leave yourself enough room to be able to correct for wind or anything, you know, just a little bit of, a little bit of current to get you just enough, you know, and with that home of twins, it's a hundred, I think it's 105 foot wide, you know, so whenever you're going through it, it's. You know, you got two bridges that are built side by side. The wind is funneling through them. You're you're hauling ass, and 
and I kid you not, you know, they got they got half-ass bumpers out there. But, you know, that's that's just one of my things. I have literally seen people sitting in that bridge whenever I come through it with their feet dangling off the side of the metal. Damn, like, if I, if I was to lay up against it, well, now you're legless. Congratulations, Lieutenant Dan. You know, why, why you know, why do we have these problems? You know, any, anywhere, anywhere else, I'd understand you know, running maybe three barges, two barges. Why, why do we have, why do we have six packs going through Homa out of all of these places? Cause there is nowhere to land anywhere you land, you're going to tear something up. There's, there is no bank. There's houses, docks, bridges, you know, you got hospital that there, there's an actual hospital that you can hit the gate from there. Um, I've, I've had to lay i've had to lay a six pack down one time didn't do no damage thank god my deckhand told me that i landed on about 25 foot they had a 25 foot span of rocks is where the head of my barges landed and i was able to pick it up without moving up you know forward or backward and that 25 foot span that's that was the thing that saved me was a 25 foot spot where there was nothing at no trees no you know and the wind you know just the wind the current the tide you know you're fighting everything along the way you know then you got traffic i i these little one barge wanderers that oh you know i ain't got but one barge you know well i got a six pack if i called up and made the announcement that i was in home why the hell are you gonna come up in here with me you know if i'm having trouble getting through here what you gonna come and compile your shit on top of my shit for and you can barely understand them. They sound like that dude off a of waterboy, the uh, farmer, whatever. And I'm, I'm just sitting up here like, I'm, I'm having a brain aneurysm listening to him on the radio, and I'm like, oh my god. And it, that's the thing that we deal with, you know. You, you're, it's just a straight hurdle. And then if you do manage to get past all of that shit, then you got buy you the large. And they love having their, their curfew over there. That's like their biggest thing. I think they do that shit just to have a break over there. I don't know what the problem is, but you you come up through there and, you know, you got the home and nav running right off the side of the, you know, ICW. You're making a right-hand turn. Well, hell, you're fighting the current, the wind, everything, trying to turn up and line up on a bridge, which once again is a half a mile from a bend. You know, you're still sliding, coming up to a bridge, it's it's a hell of a place you know shipyards you know people uh i don't understand that and it, you know i understand that to an extent why people build their houses on the water but then you want to get mad when the towboat runs over it you know how stupid you sound <laughs> uh, for the sake of the listeners that may be outside the industry um a six-pack that's up to up to 600 feet long 70 so, feet wide with my boat my boat is 65 foot long by 32 foot wide with a six pack of empty barges um you know at the most i am 665 foot long 70 foot wide and six pack of loads ain't really that big of a deal you know uh, six pack of empties there is all you're doing. It's like having a near miss the whole day. You know, you're just, that's all you're doing is 
if you have a chance or a way to insert that picture that I showed you of Homer, that'd be awesome. Just to give people the idea of what, you know, what it looks like. But the whole time you're driving a six pack of empties through towns like that, it's nothing but a near miss. You know, it don't matter how much control you got in it. You're, you're coming within, you know, so many feet of, of being able to tear up. They had a damn seaplane land out there in front of me one day in the middle of the canal. You know, it's just stuff like that. You know, you got people just, there's people riding around in yachts. Like you, you went and spent, you know, a million dollars for a boat and you're driving in a ditch. That makes a lot of sense, man. And it's, you think about it and you say, well, 665 feet ain't that long. Well, yeah, they make thousand foot toes and everything, but they're not a 70 foot wide. You know, most of you going to be with a thousand foot is 54. And that 16 foot makes a big difference. Whenever you're coming through some of these bridges, that's, that's just that much more you could see, you know, you try to explain it to somebody and it's like, you know, you go, go to a football field and look at a football field. Now imagine driving your car with a trailer you're pushing down the road the size of that football field that's the equivalence of you know that's what it feels like that's that's exactly what it's like well for my australian listeners that is uh american football we're talking about yeah but anyway <clears throat> so i think uh, a soccer field is about the same size though it might be a little Maybe bigger I, I don't really know anyway um <clears throat> Share what you can about some stories back on deck uh, that you were reminded of with uh, hearing uh, Captain Trey Urban talking. You know, no names necessarily, just, just some some things that happened. Oh, man. You have probably more drugs back then in the fleets and stuff than you could ever imagine. You know, it, it wasn't nothing abnormal back then, you know. Hell, I can't tell you how many people I've seen over the years get busted for, you know, failing drug tests. It's, it's unreal, you know, especially as a captain. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that. And it, if I trigger anybody, you bring me your pro-drug story to it. I would love to sit here and have a, a debate with you about drugs. I, I would love to. If, if somebody is paying you six figures a year and you still cannot find the motivation to stay clean, you really have a problem and you need to address that problem. There's programs out there that will help. It is not a sickness. You do not walk outside and catch crackhead. I I'm tired of hearing that, but you know what I'm saying? You, you know what I'm saying, Tim? I mean, that you, you literally had to specify that to people because people are like, it's a sickness. No, it's not. It's an epidemic. Yeah, we, you know, it's everywhere. But it's not a sickness. You know, that's a self-choice. You don't, you don't decide to wake up tomorrow and decide to catch the flu. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? And it was out there bad back then, you know. And luckily, things have started to, to really crack down here lately. You know, it was so bad. That's That's what really drove me away from the industry was it just everywhere 
it was everywhere, you know, and I, I don't like dealing with them kind of people. I grew up watching, you know, a lot of people destroy their lives with that, you know, that shit. And I put my hand on the Bible and I could tell you to this day, I ain't never done one. Now I may drink. I'll drink like a fish and I'll hold my tongue with the rest of them. But just, yeah, alcohol is a drug, I guess. If somebody wants to argue that, but I just don't see the place of either one of them in the industry. Well, we're not going to finish on that topic. So tell no. me, uh, where's your favorite place to run? Obviously you've been the salt mine back and forth, but where's the prettiest place you've been? Honestly, the one place, and I can, I could literally hear Joe jumping up and down in the wheelhouse as I say this, but probably my favorite place I've ever ran was the sounds. That's, you know, I come up on deck over there, you know, running nine across, 12 across at a time. Sometimes, you know, I don't, I don't remember if you were the dispatcher for us back then or not, but I can't remember who it was, but man, we, well, we moved some shit over there. It was nonstop for a little 2000 horsepower boat. You know, we, we ran it and, uh, coming up, I loved it. I loved every bit of it. Driving it as a captain, loved it even more. The Tom Bigby, you could go a whole day without seeing another person on that canal. You know, just peaceful. You know, no cell phone service at the office can't get a hold of you. You ain't got to worry about, you know, no phone calls at all. There, There's nothing. You know, and I, I don't want to end it on that topic just yet. There's, there's a couple of other things I want to not bring up, but, you know, not bad or anything. You know, it's, it's a lot with the shortage, you know. I want to say something about, you know, a couple of those things, too, if, if I have a free minute. Be my guest. Yeah, so your boy uh trey urban i if i ever meet you mr trey i promise you the first beer is on me i i promise you the first beer is on me because you open my eyes up to a lot of stuff man and uh i appreciate that you know but you know this industry is i, I see it you know i see it a lot you know this industry has kind of ruined itself you know and, and the way trey said it you know you you used to hear the stories about people coming up on boats, you know, with their dad and stuff, you know, and, and now we got all these litigation and, and, you know, the helm project, you know, we got helm on the computers now and that's all it is, is a litigation thing. You know, it's, it's them trying to, to put the blame on you is what it comes down to, you know, and I, a lot of people don't want to deal with this no more, you know, why, why, whenever there's places at home paying 15 and $20 an hour, why the hell do you want to stay on a boat making, you know, what we make a day? And uh, a lot of these kids just, you know, you, that's what they are. They're kids. They'll, they'll, they'll never. I've, 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 I've noticed a lack of leadership, a lot of lack of leadership, especially in like the newer generations. And I'm not taking shots at the newer generation, you know, because I'm not that much older myself. But you know it. Whenever I come up, you you would get your ass whooped for talking about somebody's boat. You know, you say something about somebody's boat, you better get ready because you're going to get knocked out, you know. And these days, you know, it's it's so lackluster. Nobody nobody wants to do it no more, you know. Just there, there's no passion left in this job. You have literally drove so many regulations and rules into this industry that nobody wants to do it no more. The only ones that do it to this day 
is the idiots that are stuck out here. Like me. This is all I know. I've, I've been doing this shit my whole life. You know, I have nowhere else to go. I, 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 there is nothing else for me to do. I honestly, and I, I say that, I honestly don't think I could function normal in a in a society no more after working on a boat and being gone for so long. You know, I definitely know my old lady wouldn't put up with my ass that long. <laughs> but they're not... I, I brought that up to Mr. Z-Day back then, and I told him, I said, man, I said, why don't you let me go and pitch a case to high schoolers? Because if somebody would have told me about this shit when I was in high school, I probably would have considered it, you know? I didn't I didn't have that opportunity, though. Well, I went to a job fair, you know? There were tables everywhere. The only damn thing I qualified for was the Army, the Navy, the National Guard, you know, the Marines, and the Air Force. That was it. You know, everything past that, you, you got to have a college degree. These kids, you know, there's kids out there that don't want to go to college. Tell you just got out of high school. I don't want to put up with this shit. You know, and you, you give them that opportunity. You got to you gotta reach out there and take that chance. And I, I told them multiple multiple times that I had no problem literally setting up my own presentation, going to a school free of charge just to help the industry out to start recruiting some of these kids out of high school, you know, and it's not like you're going to recruit them to drive them over to Afghanistan. You're sending them on a boat and giving them a career. You know, this is, this is exactly what people need to hear. This is not what people want. But it's what people need to hear. It's because, you know, there's, there's always going to be, well, he may not take the job today. But I guarantee you, he goes home and sits on it and thinks about it. Well, hell, you know what? Maybe that dude was right. Maybe we do. Maybe I do need to go on a boat. You know, that, that, that there's always that thought because somebody did speak up to him. You know, somebody, this, Nobody knows nobody anymore like that. Hell, had the people in my company come out of Mississippi. Well, we, we don't we don't even barely hire people in Louisiana anymore. I don't understand that. Interestingly enough, uh, I went to my nephew's high school graduation in Slidell. I don't know, a couple of months ago, last month. Yeah. And uh, one of the people, because they had listed what college they're going to, what they're looking to do. One of the kids, I didn't get to meet him, but it said maritime industry. No kidding. And I was like, I want to know how he found out. I want to know what drove that. But like I said, I didn't get to didn't get to find him or, or chat with him about it. But it was yeah. it was it was neat to see. And that's the thing, you know, we we need to get that out there. You you have so kids, and I say that because I've met quite a few of them. Kids that have come up under these captains now, you know, you have brought up a whole generation underneath this new, you know, regulations and policies and all this bullshit that they have come up with. That you have made people that would be generational towboaters literally hate this shit, and that nobody wants to do it no more. You know, if if I seen this job take my dad away from me every, you know like for a month at a time and then he only come home for 14 you know i mean yeah those 14 days are great you're gonna cherish every minute you got with your dad anyway but boy you're sure gonna hate that damn job i guarantee you if you understand what i'm saying 
you know, it, it's stuff like that, that people, you know, you have, like Trey Irvin said, I, I'm going to re refer to him a lot because he, you know, he, he put a lot on my mind, you know, and I, I literally got a, a little bulletin on my phone. That's what I keep looking at it for, you know, of things that he said that, you know, that I wanted to expand on that people need to open their eyes up. You know, you, you have bred a whole generation of potential toe boaters that, you know, generational to really just despise this shit. They don't want to put up with this shit because they, they watch their dad go through it. They don't want to do that to their kids, you know? And now you're sitting here like, oh, you know what? Well, that's on you. You did that to yourself. You know, we, we, we are here doing what we can, you know, and that's the best we can. And it's really up to them. You know, you, you created this monster, all this bullshit that y'all put in the play, you know, it's kind of on you. How bad is that can turn around for your, uh, from your perspective? Oh, bro. So the thing is, is there's a few decans out there. Couldn't, couldn't speak highly enough for them. You know, even, even ones that work on my boat, there are some out there. I'm telling you the only reason they're out there is because they got a damn pulse. I mean, the turnaround is outrageous. You know, I'm, I'm a pretty, you, you could tell by the way I talk, you, you talk to me on the phone. I'm a pretty honest and blunt person. Whenever I tell you something, that's the way it is. And that's the way it's going to be, you know, we put up with a lot of, you know, a lot of BS sometimes, you know, when we, it ain't very often, but there is times, you know, we'll run across one of them and it's like, they call the office up and I'm like, you, you trust this some bitch on a boat. I don't trust him to tie his own shoes in the morning. You know, and that's the kind of people we get out there. You know, it's the turnaround. If if there was a actual workforce stepping to the plate, the turnaround would be exponential. I can guarantee you. But I'm sure at Ingram, y'all are hurting the same way. Y'all have hard times keeping people. It's the same way with us. You know, we we're constantly struggling trying to keep people. You know, and you find a deckhand and I'm not talking about time to time to shooting at my deckhands in particular, in particular, but you find a deckhand that's half decent, you know, and he may not be the greatest. He's not the worst. The thing is you hate to get rid of him just because you don't know what the hell's going to come after him. You know, you, you don't know what you're going to get. You know, we, we talk about this stuff all the time, you know, me and me and captain Joe and you, you're stuck you're stuck accepting things sometimes, you know, you just got to accept it and get over it kind of deal, you know? And another thing with the whole industry, I'm, I'm going to speak on this one because I know there's a lot of people that's going to be like throwing hands in the air about this, but honestly, they, the pay has not kept up at all out here on this water. You know, I, I spoke about that a minute ago, you know, the 15 an hour thing at home. You know, we, I've, I've watched a graph. If you, if you could, you could literally look it up yourself on how much, you know, ship like ship captains and shit like that make, you know, the, the ones that bring the ships in, uh, I'm trying to think of what their name is like a river pilot, you know, it's always stayed about 60% of their pay. Hell, we ain't even making 40% of that pay right now, you know? And, uh, you know, I told that to captain Joe, I said, you know, I predict in the next 10 years, it'll be a, it'll be a full figure a day job. 
before it starts leveling out, you know, because these companies are just straight bickering at each other, trying to get, you know, more and more people. And the thing is, is I, I, I'm not even really worried about the money. It, it don't even phase me much. You know, I, I could have moved on to a better company. I could have done a lot of things. I, I'm, I'm much rather work on a boat with my crew and my people that I know, you know, and I enjoy running the salt mines. But a lot of people chase money out there, you know, and hell, I'd rather have the whole family, you know, the family feel to it. That's the way I see it. You know, I gotta, I gotta be out here with these guys. Yeah, sure. It takes me away from my family, but you know, it's, it's a give and take thing. And that's why I've stayed with my boat as long as I've have. Well, fill me on, on, on home life. Are you, you married? Got kids? Yeah, I'm uh getting married. I don't have any kids. Thank God. Um, old lady's been beating on me about wanting one, and I'm like, eh, you know, you know, maybe down the road, but you know, this will be, you know, getting married. That's a, you know, she's a really good and wonderful person. Uh, you couldn't ask for more because man, I, there's been a couple of times I stepped on the boat and haven't stepped off for 70, 80, 90 days at a time since we've been together, you know? And, uh, she's only complained to me one time, you know, and I was, because I missed our anniversary, I, you know, and I, I told her I'd be home for it, but just didn't have nobody to come and take my place. So I ended up riding it out, you know, she's, uh, she's definitely a, She's definitely a one hell of a woman. You know, it takes a hell of a woman to put up with a guy in this industry because couldn't ask more for her. And I love her with all my heart. And, you know, maybe one of these days I will have a kid or two. You know, I just, I really have not accepted the idea yet, man. I, I still like to, you know, wake up and enjoy you know just pack a bag and literally just take off you know screw asking for permission or you know having to get a, a babysitter or, or having to bring a kid with you hell if i want to go camping for a week well i'm gonna end up in the woods camping for a week i ain't gotta you know you want to come you don't want to come okay fine you know grab my rifle walk out the door but once you start bringing kids and stuff into that man it uh it starts changing drastically you know and it, a lot of it a lot of it, you know, is just more of a fear, man. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to end up being one of those parents, you know, that, you know, one parent literally has to raise a kid, you know, just because of the way my job is. And I look at it, you know, and I see some of these captains, man, just eat some alive whenever their kids call them, you know, and they've been on a boat for, you know, X amount of days putting up with, you know, Tobo bullshit, you know, riding over because of being shorthanded. It ain't even a money thing, you know, and they're, you know, they get on the phone and I watched one guy and he, you know, his kid, he was on video call by him and his kid asked him, he's like, you know, eight, nine years old. And so daddy, when are you coming home? And he said, I don't know, son, you know, yada, yada. And they talked for a few minutes. He hung the phone up and started crying, you know. And it's like, man, I, I couldn't see myself in that position. That's that's hell, you know. I just, I couldn't see myself having to explain that, you know, to my kid why, why I'm gone for months on end, you know. 
I'm sure once things go back to 28 and 14 or whatever, you know, it'll really, that's probably about the time I'll really start debating on it. But if not, then that's, yeah. That's all. I just work too much to have a kid. You know, there, there's no time. There's no time. Are you going to finish there? I got another question I can ask you. Go ahead, brother. <clears throat> a handful of captains out there on the canal have, uh, have come to me and said, look, if you don't get me off this salt run, I'm getting off this boat going home. What do you like so much about the salt run? And, uh, did, do you find yourself wishing you could be going all the way to Houston to Brownsville? I'm gonna be honest with you. You know, the salt mine, uh, it gets old after a while, honestly, you know, it, especially whenever you're working, you know, if you're working like a week at a time, a week on week off, it's, it's not that bad, but when you're working 90 days straight, it's, it's a three day turnaround, you know, a six pack empties that you, if you're no delay, you're get there in about 20 hours at the most, you know, and it's a wrestle, you know, you go down the Port Island route, you got to be on your P's and Q's driving empties. You know, you can't be sitting over there playing on your phone and you know, all that shit, which you shouldn't be doing anyway, but you know how that is, you know, you end up tearing people shit up because you want to be over there, you know, lacking on a job. And I think that's what a lot of it is. is you know, there's no downtime that if I'm willing to bet, you know, the miles that, you know, one of those salt mine boats cross, and you know the like from a coefficient point you know how much you know product and everything compared to this and that i guarantee you it's just about as worse as the river is you know and then you you get what you you know you get what you want and i've, I've heard it before with captains complaining about the canal you know you running down there or you know that Honestly, I think a lot of it's got to do with just a nonstop, you know, kind of deal, you know, because after a month or two of it, I'm like, holy hell, you know, will one of these locks break? <laughs> like, well, you know, you get a call on the radio, like, vice oil swing bridge is broke, like, woohoo, you know, everybody on the boat, you know, about to break the barbecue pit out on here. In a, in a 30 day hitch, I mean, on a perfect 30 day hitch, that's what 10 runs to and fro. It's about a three day yeah. turnaround. You know, maybe, maybe nine, maybe eight, somewhere in that neighborhood, you know, but it's, it's, it's pretty fast paced, you know, the loads you, you get one 12 hour session where there's nothing going on other than that. That's a, you know, it's just like we was talking about with Homer. It's a, it's a near miss the whole way down, you know, you're. You're either right on a bridge, Apollo camps, a lock, you know, Morgan city, wax Lake, you know, you're, you're always something. And then coming back with the loads, there's a 12 hour gap of just, you know, and that's it. You know, that that's 12 hour gap from Morgan city to buy you soul locks, you know, and that's it. That's, that's all we get. Other than that, man, you're wide open. You know, you're you're chasing the empties, running them down. You know, it ain't like you can drive slow with them. <laughs> Contrary to what people believe, it don't work like that. And just a lot of captains, you know, I'd, I'd rather not run to Houston. I hate that damn place. 
I'd rather put a toothpick under my toenail and kick that damn door over there than to drive to Houston. I hate all the traffic and everything. I just, man, hell, I'd rather bring a 10 pack down the Port Allen route than to run into Houston once. That's, that's just me. Well, how much time does it add to the round trip when uh, you got high water in Morgan City? Well, that's the thing. See, and we don't plan it by a long shot. We don't plan it is if it's high water you're you're cruising down the port allen route you know i've I've literally hit 10 miles an hour coming down the port allen route trying to get out of a bend you know but nighttime in morgan city because of the restrictions and stuff man i mean it's you know people will say what they want but it's borderline crazy to go through morgan city in the middle of the night with a boat on the side of you that you're dragging along with you. I don't, I don't know whose idea that was, whoever that is. They, boy, I'm telling you anyway, there's a lot of bad things I could say on that, but whoever's idea that was, that's why most of the salt mine boats don't go down at night. You know, we'll go up at night, but then, then you, you know, sometimes we'll get there and it'll be two in the morning. Well, hell, now I got a hire a trip boat to go through Morgan City. I could just sit here for four hours and wait on, you know, daylight to go through. That's usually what we'll do. You know, we'll try to plan it out to where to make sure that we're going to be there at daylight. But sometimes that shit don't work. You know, you can only move so fast or so slow. And I've, I've literally been in Morgan City coming up on the bridge 30 minutes late. 30 minutes late for the damn bridge. And they make me hire a damn boat to go through the bridge. 30 minutes late, 30 minutes, I would have cleared all three bridges, but they made me hire a boat just to go for 30 minutes. And I don't know how much that shit costs, but I'm pretty sure it's up there, you know? It's not cheap. And then yeah. uh, so, and the Brindell, is it 1800 or 2000? 18. So is she underpowered to? To some degree during high water where you have to get a wire in and a shadow or are y'all good yes yeah we had to get a wire in and a shadow coming southbound man and thank god that they stopped the whole box on the head shit because that that there was and i'm telling you I, I don't know who they who these people are making these rules it's like trey urban said whoever these people are making these rules that that i don't understand it now, don't put boxes on the head of an empty because if you put a rake on the head of an empty, it doesn't grab the water. It just slides. You know, you come around a corner just barreling, going around bends, and the whole barge is everything sliding. Well, with a box on the head, it'll kind of grab the water and slow down the slide. You know, you could counter it just a hair. Well, Morgan City was making us tear the barges apart if we put boxes on the head. And I mean, hell, it was a lot easier to shove that Port Allen route with boxes, empties on the head, you know. And I, just, I never could understand that. Even as a deckhand, we did it, you know. And like, good God, you know, who's coming up with these rules? Let me know because <laughs> I need to have a real conversation with this dude. And it may, it may involve a chair, you know. He may need a high five with a chair. That might get you in some trouble, man. I think that's a, it's a federal law. It's regulated by the by the Fed. So I don't know if I'd do all that. But anyway, yeah, you you know what I'm saying. You know, there's, there's some people that I don't I don't understand. I, imagine making a rule for somebody that does something all their life. Like literally, I sit up there and I drive a boat twelve hours a day. But you don't know nothing about a boat, and you making rules 
for me to follow. That's stupid. That's that. You know why don't why why do why does that even exist? Why why is that even a thing? You know, you come through Morgan City. I understand. You know the high water. You know emplacement. But really, I I got to drag a boat down the side through Morgan City with me, or I got to break barges. I like you know how much bullshit that is. That's you're you're creating even more work on everybody. Just for nothing, for nothing. You know, I just, I never could understand. Completely wrap my head around that whole thing. It was a situation I walked into in dispatch when I first took over canals and, uh, I tried to do what I could to get that changed. And then all of a sudden I, I leave that, that dispatch role and they say, okay, you can have boxes on the head now. Well, I definitely appreciate it. They said, Hey, that- I, I take no credit for it. I don't know what happened, but after I left, all of a sudden you could have boxes. The story I was told is they got a new commander down in Morgan city. And he went around to the, you know, the, you know, like the assist boats and all that and asked him about stuff like that. And they said the one thing everybody complained about was the box on the head thing. I could understand the load with a box on the head. You know, I can understand that 100% wholeheartedly. That's an empty man. If anything is safer, you hit something with a box rake, you know, a box in of an empty, you're not going to do no damage to it. You're going to do damage to it, but you hit something with a rake empty, you're going to run it over. You're going to push it on top. You know, it's, it's not rocket science, you know, and I don't understand why it took so long to figure that out. That's the thing that I don't understand. Like somebody was going to sleep thinking that they were making the right decision with that, you know, and I, I just never could understand it. And those empties sit up, what, 11, 12 feet out the water? Yeah, so by the time you put the the hopper tops on them, they're uh, so my eye level is twenty five foot with my vessel, twenty seven foot correction. I'm trying to remember exactly twenty seven foot with my eye level, my vessel. They're about give or take about seven, maybe eight foot lower than the boat. You know the eye level is. So when you look out. If you're if you're within a thousand foot, maybe eleven hundred foot or something with a six pack from the boat, you know, it's gone. You you ain't gonna see it, you know. So you you know, you get people and I, it brings me back to this yacht thing. Just because you can own said boat don't mean you should be able to drive said boat. We got license for everything out here. You can't just go to the damn airport, buy an airplane and jump in the sky. You get caught on the road driving without a license. See how that works for you. They have a license to drive a train, you know, everything. 18 wheelers, you know, it's just, the list goes on. Fork, even, even forklift operators got to have a damn license, but yet, you know, the Coco queen, cause that was an actual boat. The Coco Queen can perfectly run with no fucking license and run right out in front of me, you know. And here's traffic screaming at him over the radio channel. He just put putting along. You pass by him, and it's like some seventy-year-old guy just. And it's like you need to learn how to drive. You know, you get him on the radio, and he's like, "Well, 
they got all this water, Captain. You could have, you know, you could have moved over there. Like, yeah, yeah, okay. Let me make my 700-foot boat move to the right while your 100-foot ass can run right down the middle of the canal. That makes perfect sense. You know, we get them bass boats and all that. That's probably about the worst time of the year down there in the summer around Bayou Soil because I think it's a requirement to live in Bayou Pigeon or Bayou Soil. I think you got to have at least two boats. <laughs> if you go down there, man, I got family down there too, which is funny. When you go down there, bro, and there's like two, three, some people got five or six boats parked in their yard, you know, and, you, and you're wondering, it's like summertime comes. Oh, well, no wonder. Hell, it looks like a freaking race out here. There's boats everywhere. <laughs> and they don't understand what getting out the way means. I, I don't understand how people ain't got ran over out there yet. But there is no license. And you pull one of these clowns over, they're all drunk and shit. You got a body, you got a license to operate this thing? No. <laughs> Never could understand that. Anyway, Birdman, I thank you for your time today, my friend. I'll uh I'll keep in touch with you. Yes, sir, Mr. Tim. I appreciate it, man. It was uh it was definitely fun and I look forward to it, brother. Maybe I can get you and Joe on here one day together. Hell yeah, that'd be a hell of a riot. <laughs> we'll make it happen man yes sir thanks a lot this has been a production of where you at studios llc